Hey, Mike, do you remember that episode we did about water on Mars? Uh, yeah, sure I do. It's like we spoke about it being discovered a bunch of times, right? Like, that's the thing. What if I told you, in fact, we have not covered that on a genius? What? <laughs> Today, we're talking about false memory, a phenomenon where someone recalls something that did not happen, or they recall it differently from the way it actually occurred. Oh, uh, so now I see what you did in the intro. Clever, clever, clever girl. <laughs> clever girl. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This is a big, complex topic, so uh, why don't you get us started? Okay. The false memory phenomenon was initially investigated by psychological pioneers Pierre Genet and Sigmund Freud, with more concrete investigations taking place in the 1970s when Elizabeth Loftus and John Palmer conducted a study to see how people would remember details from videos of a car accident. In the study, people were shown three separate videos, with collisions taking place at 20... 30, and then 40 miles an hour. They were later surveyed asking how fast they thought the collision was. The verb in the question was changed between participants. Some had questions asking about how fast were the cars going when they smashed into each other, while others saw verbs like bumped, collided, hit, or contacted. As you may imagine, their answers varied with the severity of the verb used. They smashed into each other at 20 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, yeah. Or they contacted at 40. <laughs> so this shows just how critical words are in our forming and recalling of memories. Another example is the use of presuppositions. Presuppositions? Ooh, that's, ooh. You can read it, spell it easily, say it. Presuppositions? Difficult. Presuppositions. Presuppositions, which... <laughs> What a terrible word for audio, I've just realized. <laughs> this is when a question implies an answer. For example, if someone is asked what shade of red a flower was, they may be influenced to remember the flower was red, whether or not that is actually true. It's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. People can often conflate details between memories. In 1981, a study was performed in which people were invited into an office and asked to simply wait there. After a while... They were asked to make a list of objects they remembered seeing while in the office. Many listed objects common to any office, but that were missing from that particular space they had been in. Relational processing can be another factor. This is memory retrieval that can often include associating multiple events, like two different things going on. For example, you may say that you don't like pizza because one time it made you sick to your stomach, but sometimes these memories can be generalized. An example would be that you don't like pizza because it's gross. Here, you've taken a singular event and associated it with your entire worldview of pizza. Entire worldview of pizza sounds like a cool band name. <laughs> False memories don't have to be limited to an individual, though. Whole groups of people can share a false memory of something in the past. The most famous example of this is called the Mandela Effect. It was described in 2010 by paranormal researcher Fiona Broom, who reported having vivid and detailed memories of news coverage of Nelson Mandela's death while in prison in the 1980s. Broom claimed that thousands of other people remembered the press coverage as well. Here's the thing, though. Mandela died in 2013 after serving as president of South Africa from 1994 to 1999. He did not die in prison in the oh. 1980s like these memories claim. 
That same year, another example came to light in the form of the clock at Bologna Central Station, the ra- a railway station in Italy. The station was the site of bombing in 1980. In the study, 92% of respondents falsely remembered the clock had remained stopped since the time of the bombing. In reality, the clock had been repaired shortly after the attack and then ran for years. It was only after years that it was stopped and manually set to the time of bombing in observance and commemoration of the event. This one feels more like an urban myth to me, you know, like then it spreads that way. Maybe. I think the two things are probably related. Oh, yeah. Uh, There are a bunch more examples of this listed on Wikipedia of all places, including the spelling of Berenstain Bears' series of books, the existence of a 1990s movie titled Shazam, and more. But for now, Stephen, let's remember to thank our sponsor. This episode of Ungenius is made possible by Microsoft Lists. Are you looking for a new way to track and manage work and life from start to finish? Microsoft List is here to help you clear your brain space and get organized. It all starts at lists.live.com. Microsoft kicked off a preview program to try lists with your Microsoft account, and it's all designed for small business and individual use. Start by creating and sharing your list with your work colleagues, partners, soccer team, neighbors. You may want to create a list of books or movies for your monthly meetings, track home improvement and important receipts throughout the year, or build out team rosters for soccer, or keeping up with who's doing what in a volunteer group. At list.live.com, you can get started quickly with ready-made templates. You can use filters and views to visualize your information, which means you can have one list with many views into the data. Then you can share your list as links to get other people's thoughts and work together. The ready-made templates save you time, Or you can just start blank and add in exactly what and how you want to track your information. It's super flexible and great for gift ideas, playlists for media, uh, tracking issues at work. To-do lists are great. I live and die by my to-do list. And having multiple views into it, like Microsoft List provides, is really cool. It helps you get your mind around something maybe in a new way. So go and try the preview at no cost. It's completely free. Go to your browser and type list.live.com. There's a link in the show notes. That's list.live.com. Sign up, sign in, and track what matters most. Check it out and let Microsoft know what you like and if you have any feature requests. Our thanks to Microsoft for their support of the show and Relay FM. It'll really help you tackle some false memories, you know, especially if you That's share right. them with other people. Like, That's right. There's no forced task memories when it comes to Microsoft Lists. <laughs> so we've talked about some of the factors that go into forming forced memories, shared some of their examples, but now let's look at some of the theories around the phenomenon itself. Some believe that our backgrounds, the family that raised us, where we grew up, all these things can help quietly shape the way our memories work. I mean, I think it's just brains, right? But anyway, another <laughs> approach is the construction hypothesis. I love the name of that, by the way. This says that if a true piece of information being provided can alter a respondent's answer, then so can a false piece of information. As we mentioned earlier, if a question includes a presupposition that is believed, it will taint an answer given. Up next is the skeleton theory, which explores how we actually recall memories. And I tried really hard, and I just, I can't, (laughs) 
understand this. Uh, so go read the article in the show notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's did, so complicated. So you didn't like you didn't break down psychology in your fancy journalism school or anything? I must have skipped that day, but who can remember? Oh, maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. No one could know. Uh, People who are more creative or imaginative may be more likely to recall false information, especially in social situations where a good story or one-upmanship is called for. Trauma can also affect how we remember things. If one experiences childhood trauma, for example, memories from before or during that time may be difficult to recall clearly, if at all. That brings us to false memory syndrome, a condition in which a person's relationships and very identity are fundamentally altered due to false memories. This is not currently recognized as a psychiatric illness and is apparently controversial in some circles. However, some psychiatric and psychological professionals are willing to explore things like hypnosis and other memory recovery techniques to help those who are struggling to sort out what memories are true and which ones aren't. Have you ever been hypnotized? Not that I know of. (laughs) I wouldn't want to be. I'm too nervous to let someone do something like that to me. Agreed. Anyway, we're not the experts here. We don't know what we're talking about. I mean, you can't even remember if you believe in the moon landings or not. Yeah, and I can't even say presupposition correctly. (laughs) Presupposition. Presupposition, that's it. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Thanks to our friend Federico for the topic suggestion. He brought this to our attention uh, last week, and it's been just consuming my mind ever since. Mm-hmm. If you want to read more about false memory, head over to the show notes at relay.fm slash ungeniused slash 148. There you can get in touch with your own weird Wikipedia topic. You can also suggest topics on Twitter. The show is at ungeniused. You can find Mike there as I-M-Y-K-E, and you can follow me on Twitter as I-S-M-H. Until next time, we remember to record, Mike. Say goodbye. Wait, I just realized, how could I remember the moon landings anyway? I wouldn't have any memory of that. I wasn't around. Maybe it's been inserted into your consciousness without your knowledge. Oh, yeah, seems like something the CIA would do.